So we are continuing our series out of the book of Mark that we've called Just Jesus. But today I want to talk about being blessed, broken, and multiplied. As we come to a story in Mark chapter 6 that leads directly to the day of Pentecost, believe it or not. And it's a unique story because other than the resurrection of Jesus, it's the only miracle story that is recorded in all four of the Gospels, the first four books of the Old New Testament that describe Jesus' life. Jesus performs nearly 35 miracles, but only one shows up in every one of these books. It's so critical. It's so important. It's such a game-changing miracle. Here it is, verse 34 of Mark 6. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Well, by this time, it was late in the day. So the disciples came to him. I'm not sure what their motivation was here, but because they were tired and hungry too. But this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he, Jesus, answered, you give them something to eat. And again, they're scratching their heads. They said to him, uh, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give them to eat? Well, how many loaves do you have, he asked. Go, go and see. And when they found out, they said, five, five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, or literally in the Greek, he blessed them and broke the loaves. These would have been little barley loaves. They, uh, according to John's account, they were made of barley. They were kind of thin, um, small loaves. It would take at least two or three to fill you up. And he took those barley loaves and he broke them. And then he gave them, because when he broke them, then they started multiplying. And he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he also divided the two fish. This was like, likely had been dried, salted fish. He divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate, whereas it takes like three to satisfy you and fill you up, with five loaves, he fed a multitude until they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12, 12 basketfuls of broken pieces when all was said and done of the leftover bread and fish. And the number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. And in Matthew's account, he adds those were men, like males, not generic and that did not include all the women and the children. So Bible scholars believe Jesus, with five loaves and two fish, fed over 15,000 people. They'd already been following him because he was a healer. And now he, in front of 15,000 people, does a creative miracle and feeds them all till they're all full, and there are 12 baskets full of leftovers. It is a game-changing, stunning miracle. Only the creator could create bread out of nothing. 
And why are these stories in here? They all ultimately bring us to the identity of Jesus. He's the creator. And of course, every Jewish person in this crowd would have thought back to when Israel, under Moses, got free from Egyptian slavery, crossed the Red Sea, were in the wilderness, and, and how in a desert could hundreds of thousands of people live and find when you can't even grow crops because God gave them manna every day, bread on the ground every day to sustain them. And all of a sudden, they're starting to connect these dots that Jesus really is the Messiah. He's the one who brings bread from heaven. So all of this is here. And it's going to get even more important uh, as we think through the implications of this. But first of all, I'd just like to say we find, you and I, we find our stories in here as well. Because look what Jesus did with that bread. Let's go back to verse 41. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. Or like I said, he, and many English translations just say he blessed it and broke the loaves. So these loaves, he took the bread in his hand, he blessed it. And then he broke them. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. So it was the disciples' job to take the bread that Jesus was multiplying and to take it to the people. I just wanted to say, first of all, that that pattern, listen, that pattern of being blessed, broken, and multiplied seems to be a biblical pattern all throughout Scripture in terms of how he shapes us. I mean, I don't get up here and preach every week so that you can stay a shallow Christian. And I hope eventually, if you've been around here long enough, you're past one-dimensional spirituality where on the days I have a good day, uh, I, must, I must think God loves me. And on the days I have a bad day, I don't know what to think of God. I might even be angry with him. Look, at that's one-dimensional deg- one shallow spirituality. God has a destiny in your life. God wants to multiply you. God wants to take his life and multiply it. And so, you know, personally, I'm all into going from being blessed to being multiplied. Lord, I'm already, right? Bless me and multiply me. But the pattern usually is brokenness in between. That's why heavyweights like A.W. Tozer would say, it's it's doubtful that God can use a person greatly till he first hurts him deeply. I mean, what's God going to hurt me for? He's going to hurt you to break you to get you past your own strength. He did this with Moses for 40 years. Moses is growing up in Egypt. He's got the best education in the world. He's got everything his heart could ever desire growing up in Pharaoh's household. But then things go wrong for him. But it was God's plan, and after 40 years in Egypt, he's running for his life, and he spends 40 years in a desert shepherding sheep, which he'd been trained to despise as an Egyptian. And he, he, at the end of that 40 years, his confidence is gone. He's a stutterer. When God calls him at the burning bush to go back to Egypt and rescue Israel from slavery, he, he has an insecurity fit that lasts a whole chapter and a half. This guy was broken. But that's where God then can multiply. You know, Jesus said, I, I look for branches. Like, like, I'm the vine, you're the branch. And I have destiny, I have influence for you. I want to multiply my life through you. And so he said, I, I, look, I look for branches that show, show evidence of life. That's they're starting to bear fruit. And then what do I do? I prune those branches. This is John 15. Every branch in me that bears fruit, I prune. Have you ever I kill things with my green thumb. Do not leave your plants with me. But 
But my wife's good at this. She knows, she's the one who takes care of when the trees in our yard get pruned. And I mean, they get pruned and they're ugly. I mean, I go, how could that tree have ever survived that degree of being cut back? But in the ugliness of that moment, that tree is being prepared to blossom and be fruitful like never before. He says, when I see the evidence of life in you, there are going to be times I'm going to cut you back. I'm going to bring you to the places of brokenness. Just like what I did with that bread. It's kind of a metaphor for our whole walk with God. Hudson Taylor was a famous missionary to China. And you know, Hudson Taylor went to China and uh, he tried really hard for six years. And he loved the Lord and God used him to some degree. But it broke his health, the stress, that just because he was still doing so much of it in his own strength. So he went back to England for five years. And back in England in five years, he, he, he restored and he learned what it was to abide in the life of Jesus. And not do things in his own strength, but to draw from the life of Jesus. In England for five years, he, is a, he, he abided in the life of Jesus. He said, and people say when he came back to China then after five years, he was like a different person. They said it's like he had discovered the exchanged life. Exchanged. Exchanged my strength for his strength. My life for his life. And he saw the most fruitful period in, in his ministry. So this, this is a metaphor in some ways. What Jesus did with the bread, it, it seems to be something that we see happen repeatedly in Scripture and repeatedly in men and women of God throughout history. There's the blessing, there's the breaking, and then there's the multiplying. If God breaks you and prunes you back... It has nothing to do with him not loving you. It has everything to do with him so desperately loving the world around you that he wants to position you for fruitfulness and influence in his power that you've never had before. It's not for you. It's for the people that he loves. And so here it is. We see this model. But what's more, even more important is that, is that Jesus himself will then say, and in John, the Gospel of John, we're in Mark, but in John, when he records this story, uh, then it's a few verses later, he draws a direct link to a conversation Jesus has with religious leaders who don't like him. And, and Jesus thought, I'm just going to blow their minds right here. And Jesus said, hey, you guys, I am the bread of life. <laughs> Jesus is the bread of life. In fact, let's read those verses out of John chapter 6. I am the bread of life, verse 48. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. And God says that over every life. We just crossed 8 billion people on planet Earth a, a couple of months ago. And he says, I am the one that can satisfy your longing and satisfy your soul, and you will never die spiritually. I am the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. And what happens in Jesus' life? He's blessed when he's baptized. God the Father speaks from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. He puts his spirit on. He goes around doing good, casting out demons, healing the sick. He's blessed. But there is something else that has to happen in Jesus' life. He needs to be broken. And so the night before he's crucified, he takes bread and says, this is my body mended for you? No. 
said, this is my body, what? Broken for you. The blessed one was broken. And on that cross, he took your sin and mine, your addictions and mine, your hopelessness and mine, your lostness and mine. He took it all on himself so that it could be broken and we could be free. And then three days later, he rose out of the grave and it was like that's the moment when the bread was multiplied to our world. And he says, I'm now available for every human being. What I've done at the cross, in my brokenness, you will find your healing. In my sacrifice, you will find your forgiveness. And it's like Jesus himself was blessed, broken, and multiplied. And so this story, this pivotal story that takes Jesus' influence and popularity during his earthly ministry to the next level. This very story becomes a picture, not only of what happens in our lives, but what would happen in his life as he declares himself to be the bread of life. He is the bread of life. And that's why what Pastor, what Pastor Josh uh, read early in our worship time is so important, out of the day of Pentecost. He said... He said, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I just want to go back to a detail in the feeding story. Jesus blessed the bread. He broke the bread. And in the breaking, he multiplied it supernaturally. It's a creative miracle. And then what did he do? Did he just sort of instantly make it appear in the hands of everybody? No, he gave it to the disciples. And they had to go around group by group, Every group of 50, every group of 100, hand out the bread, hand out the fish. He gave it to his disciples, then take that multiplied bread and take it to the people. This is what God's doing right now. This is why the day of Pentecost came. It said they spoke in tongues, which is a sign that we become God's mouthpiece. That we become the ones who share with our world. <laughs> there is bread to satisfy your soul that's been multiplied to the world in Jesus he was broken for you, and he lives to give you life. And he's available to every one of the 8 billion people on our planet. And he gave it to disciples, and his hard work. I mean, it took a long time for 15,000 people to go to every group of 50 and every group of 100 and hand it all out. There are only 12 of them doing this. I mean, it took a while. But right now, I want to tell you, God has given his spirit to us in Jesus life being blessed, broken, and multiplied, he now then, like he did on that day, give it to his disciples and say, now take it to the people. And how do we do it? We do it in the power of his spirit. And so he pours his spirit on, on us. He said, I want you to take the bread of life. I want you to become my mouthpiece. I want you to go to the nations and do it. And just so we don't miss the point, Luke goes on and Acts. we just read verse 4. And in verse 5, he said, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, sound of everybody praising God and speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Now, sometimes when we speak in tongues, when we're filled with the Spirit, it's kind of what Paul would call the language of angels, but sometimes it is literally a language. I love the stories that missionaries go where there's no English and people are filled with the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in fluent English, praising God and glorifying God. In this case, it was, act it was similar to that. It was actual languages. 
This was a feast day, Pentecost. It was one of the pilgrim feast days where people came in from the world surrounding areas and, and they heard people speaking in their own language. And utterly amazed, they said, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Now, just hang with me. I'm going to read these fast, but it's really important. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, in other words, both Jews and Gentiles, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. This is God's plan. He multiplies, he who was blessed and broken multiplies the bread to us and then he gives it to us as disciples and says, now take it. Now take it and take it in the power of the Spirit and take it to the nations. This is my map that some of you have seen before. Jerusalem is right here. See, Jerusalem right here. And they'd come. Everything else colored here are the nations that they came from to be in Jerusalem on Pentecost Sunday. And all of a sudden, God's power falls in the day of Pentecost. And it, interestingly enough, was a harvest festival celebration, Pentecost. And God's going to bring a harvest from all these nations. And those are interesting nations. Right now, they're some of the harder nations in the world to reach with the gospel. But that's changing too. Because God's still putting his living bread in the hands of his followers. And in the power of his spirit, taking them to the nations. If Peter was to identify these if. Uh, if Luke, who's writing Acts, was to identify these nations today and put them in their current geographical context, he would have written in Acts chapter 2. So the Iranians and the Iraqis and the Saudis and the Omanis and the Yemenis and the Jordanians and the Syrians and the Egyptians and the Libyans and the Turks and the Greeks and even the Italians are hearing the praises of God. And hearing about the bread of life. That he's been broken and he's now been multiplied in resurrection power as the bread of life to the world. And he's put that in our hearts and put that message in our mouths and sent us out to Lacey. And this is really happening. Just a few weeks ago, Sandy and I were right here in Jordan, kind of across the Jordan River from Jerusalem. We were in Amman, Jordan, right there. And we met with national Arabic leaders from all over this part of the world. There's one young couple, younger couple that we met. Everyone's younger compared to us these days. Um, there's one younger, very sharp couple. She's a civil engineer, love those engineers. He's a biochemist. And they somehow found Jesus in northern Iraq where, where there's at least a little bit of freedom. And uh, they found Jesus. And... Pretty soon, people started gathering in their home. They were just worshiping and starting to have a little church in their home. He said, nobody really taught us. And we didn't know anything about the power of the Spirit, but we read in the book of Acts how God poured His Spirit upon them. They spoke in tongues, and they served God and were anointed by the Spirit. So we didn't know any different. We hadn't had people teach against this for other reasons. So we just asked God to fill us with the Spirit, and He did. And we started sharing the bread of life with everybody around us. And our church started growing, started growing, started growing. Pretty soon we had to go to bigger houses. And then pretty soon, I mean, we, we couldn't fit in the biggest house, so we needed a building. And I was going to take some money 
And in Arabic culture, when a bride is married, um, she's given a gift of gold. And she can do whatever she wants with that gold. And sometimes it's the insurance, should something happen to her husband, that will take care of her. And she said, I remember the, the ladies in our little church, full of the Holy Spirit, started saying, I'm going to give my gold so we can have a church. And, and she said, this lady, who's now co-pastoring with her husband in this church, she said, she said, so I took my gold too. And she said, it wasn't easy. There were tears running down my face, like parting with this lifelong treasure. But I gave it. She said, now we have a building, and we have 300 people coming every Sunday to church. And you know what? The bread's still being distributed. The bread of life, by which you'll never hunger again, is still being distributed to our world. And it's because, he said, she said, we just read in the book of Acts, in the power of God, he gave us a heart to love people. He gave us a heart, and he gave us mouths to speak the gospel and to share the bread of life with the world. Hallelujah. And so in verse 12 of Acts 2, after describing all these nations, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? And here's where we're introduced to not only Jesus as the bread of life, but Jesus as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to take the bread to the people. For Peter, in that first sermon, he would say in verse 33 of Acts 2, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see in here. He's poured it out. We sang it this morning. Lord, just pour it out. Pour it out. Pour your spirit. And Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father after his resurrection, where he is till the day he comes again. But the first thing he did was to take the gift of the Holy Spirit and pour it out on us. He said, I, I did the break. I, 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 you know, I was the blessed, broken, multiplied one. I am the bread of life multiplied to the world. And I put now that bread in your hands to feed to the people. But don't do it in your own strength. But I'm going to pour out my spirit so the bread of life becomes the baptizer in the Holy Spirit so that his life can be multiplied to our world. That's why he had given them a heads up uh, a little earlier at the end of Luke, Luke 24, 49. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. That's the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Clothed. I love it. you just clothed with power from on high. Why? So you feel better? Uh, that's not what this is about. And let us not make an idol out of what we feel. I mean, we're not the end of this. It's the people God desperately loves. He loves you, and he starts with you, but then he goes to the ends of the earth. So he's going to clothe you with power so you can take the living bread of life to our world. And that's why he will say again in Acts 1, just before the day of Pentecost, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're going to take the bread to the ends of the earth. So in just a moment, I'd just like to pray over a whole lot of you this morning. Pray that you will be filled uh, and possibly refilled with the Holy Spirit. I was first baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 14 years old, but I've had plenty of times. In fact, I make sure not too much time goes by without people laying their hands on me and praying for me. 
I mean, as early as, as recently as this last week, I just thought, Lord, I feel powerless in this thing. And I just need your help to take the next step. And, and he just wants to keep filling us with his spirit. He just wants to keep clothing us with power from on high because we can't do this alone. And receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being refilled always involves, I finally years ago took the word call, C-A-L. We just got to call out for the Lord. This is not rocket science. It's not fancy. Just call out to the Lord. And, and that means first C, confess all known sin. I mean, if you're living in deliberate, unrepented sin, it'll quench, it'll hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So we come clean. We come clean, like Pastor Josh was leading us in prayer earlier. And then ask by faith for the gift. This is not self-actualization. This is not hyping something. We're not going to do any of that today. This is simply by faith receiving what is a gift from him, the gift of his spirit. And then, and, then, and then make sure you got the motivation right. Long to be used by God. You're not doing this just so you feel better, although you may feel better. But, but this is because God wants to use you. God's got a destiny for every one of you. God's got living bread at the price of his own life to distribute to the world. And he wants to use you. And then simply lift praise for the answer. Lift praise for the answer. And, you know, as you just lift praise, you may sense words you don't understand. Just give them. Just begin to speak them out and, and uh, worship him. And whatever he may or may not do in your life, whatever you may or may not feel, let's just come and say, God, clothe me with the power of the Holy Spirit right now.